Hello and welcome to the Double Double. My name is David Dixon and it is Friday morning, June 5th here in New York City. I hope everyone is doing well, that they are safe and healthy during these very trying times. The country is still mourning the loss of George Floyd, an unarmed black man who was killed by a police officer in Minneapolis a week and a half ago. Breonna Taylor, an unarmed black woman who was killed in Louisville by police officers on March 13th, and the countless others who have suffered at the hands of police brutality. The demonstrations and protests that we have seen in all 50 states and in major cities around the globe, just from my own perspective, have been incredibly powerful and really moving images and videos to see. So before we get to the main portion of the podcast here, where I'm joined by my good friend Max Sass to break down the NBA's official announced plan for their return in late July. I want to keep the recommendation uh, corner going. So if my recommendation this week is for a website and for a movement called Eight Can't Wait. So right now, over a thousand people are killed each year by the police, uh, which is far, far too high of a number. And on their website, 8can'twait.org, which is the number eight in the website for 8 Can't Wait, they propose eight very practical policy steps uh, that are backed by very meticulous research and tons and tons of data that would reduce police violence in the United States by 72%. So the most powerful part of this website is not only just how detail all the policy steps and really how simple a lot of them uh, a lot of those steps really are uh, that you can read all their research that they put into it uh, but that you can also check the city in which you live in see which of these eight steps are already implemented and most crucially what is not implemented and then they have a phone or an email script for you that you could call your mayor or email your mayor uh, to encourage them to implement these eight policies. So I really highly encourage everyone to check out this website. It doesn't take uh, too long to, if you feel empowered to reach out and try to demand and create this change. It doesn't take very long when the email script is already written for you. You just plug in your name, where you live in you know, just the neighborhood, and then you, you sign it, and then you can send it out. And I think that just as many people as possible that can do these things, uh, it will really help us lead to these major policy changes that are needed uh, to end uh, the terrible plague that is police brutality in America. So coming up today on the podcast, Coach Sass and I talked last night uh, about, and we tried, you know, we, we tried to break down the, uh, NBA's announced uh, return plans. So we're going to get to that right after this. Joining me on the phone now from an undetermined quarantine base is a good friend of the pod, Max Sass. He's coming on to talk about and break down the announcement today that the NBA is officially back. Coach, what's going on? Not a whole lot, Dave. I appreciate you having me. Uh, I am, uh, I'm excited. I'm excited to just know that basketball is coming back. Yeah, and 
you know, it's it's kind of interesting that it's almost like the bookend of it, right? Because the Rudy Gobert positive coronavirus test in early March, kind of what helped shut down the whole country. And so they were at the forefront of the shutdown. And now they're the first major American sport, depending on how you want to define NASCAR. But the NBA is the first major American sport to announce their full return. Yeah, that's a that's an excellent point. And I, it's funny, I remember sitting in, in bed watching. Uh, I had on League Pass, and I forget the game right before it, but it was ending, I think it was a Lakers game, and they had won big or something, or maybe it was the Clippers, and they had won big. And I was getting ready to switch over to the uh, Jazz uh, Kings game. It, no, it was Jazz Kings. It was oh. Jazz Kings. And... Um, I was getting ready to switch over to that, and uh, that was it. Kept getting pushed back, pushed back, and all of a sudden, I get a Twitter alert that, or, or uh, uh, an iPhone alert that it was canceled. And yeah, I was like, okay, guess I'm gonna have to go to sleep without that game tonight. <laughs> yeah, I, I I think it was the the Kings Pelicans, but either way, that oh, was. I think you're right. Yeah. I'm sorry, the, but but that was like that. That was just one of the, the craziest days. You that know, that was the late night game. Yeah, that's right. And because one of the refs in that game had done a jazz game over the previous two right. days. So you're right. That was the game. I apologize. No worries. But but that was kind of the crazy part of it all because the NBA, Adam Silver had announced that the league was suspending its operations due to the Rudy Gobert test. But at the time that he sent out that statement from the league office, other games were going on that were in the middle of third or fourth quarter. Some games had just started. Some games were at halftime and some hadn't started yet. So I remember just sitting at home watching it's like wait if the league is suspended like i'm watching the mavericks game right now like well does this game count anymore like what are they going to do about tonight's game because at the time you know we were all talking about the college basketball tournaments too like wait a second like they're running the first round of the of the big east tournament at at msg like are they just going to play those games so it's kind of it's kind of crazy how long ago that that all feels now but also like you know, it it really isn't that that long. It was you know just over uh, three months now, I guess. But I know it feels like a long time. But so there was a lot of talk in the interim of from once the league canceled. Okay, how do we restart basketball and sports, and how do we restart safely? And basically, everyone started talking about this type of bubble environment where somehow if you are able to isolate all the players and the coaches and everyone involved in this environment that they would not be interacting with other people that could potentially that they could get the virus from or they could transmit the virus to and kind of just keep it like a enclosed space. So what the NBA decided to do for any listeners who uh, didn't see the, the, the full report today is that they're doing a bubble style base camp down at Disney world in Orlando, Florida. And they have decided that 22 teams are going to go down to Orlando, and those 22 are the top eight seeds in the in both the East and the West. Five, the five teams within four games of the eight seed in the West. So that's the so that's Portland, New Orleans, Sacramento, San Antonio, and Phoenix. And the one team within five and a half games of the eight seed in the East, which is Washington. Each of these teams, coach, is going to play eight regular season games in this Orlando bubble base camp that will determine the seeding for the playoffs. We have a potential for a play-in tournament. Now, that was a very popular thing that we can talk about, but a play-in tournament uh, for for that last playoff spot, if the nine seed in either conference 
is uh, less than four games back, but those details are still to be determined. And so kind of just how this is all going to work is that all these teams and everyone involved will be staying at these massive hotels down in uh, Disney World. They're going to be it, – though it's – the medical part is still TBD, and they're still working out all the exact details. But from what has been announced so far is that they're going to be tested consistently, and the players and the staff are basically going to have free reign in the complex, in the bubble, but they can't leave. So they can go out and golf every day if they want. They can eat at the restaurants outdoors, but the social distancing guidelines will be will be enforced, but they'll be able to basically hang out at all these hotels. And crucially, is that if someone does end up testing positive, that player or person will be pulled out from all team activities, isolate and quarantine for the time that they need to, uh, which I think we'll, we'll get to a little later. I think that could be cause for some great conspiracy theories. But most crucially, the NBA is back. They're saying games are going to start July 31st. And can and will potentially run. They have said that Game Seven of the NBA Finals, if necessary, will be played on October twelfth. So we're seeing a three-month burst finish for the NBA starting at the end of July. So just I know that was a lot of details and a lot of numbers and everything, but just what are your initial reaction to just what the league has put together in terms of their guidelines for coming back? I think it's uh, I think it's ambitious, and I think it's a really positive step. Um, you know, it, it's it's. I was reading a piece in the Athletic. I think it was this morning or last night, and they they mentioned that it was only twenty two of the teams, and of course my Knicks. You know, oh, not yeah. one of the twenty two teams, and they called the eight teams that are being left out not the elite eight, but the delete eight. <laughs> I, I think that was John Hollinger. Yeah, I might have gotten the author wrong, so, but. Got a good chuckle out of that. So <clears throat> I think it's interesting that they picked that number. Um, I guess it was it, it was sort of like this, not arbitrary, but this idea of, all right, what's the reasonable threshold within reach of the playoffs? Yeah. Um, but I think it brings up a lot of questions, which I'm sure we're gonna t- we're gonna touch on. But you know, uh, if I'm not mistaken, the Spurs have this crazy playoff streak. Yep. You know if they don't make it is that you know going to be counted against them does the streak end i guess technically yes but aren't there a lot of naysayers who are going to sit there and go well but that's an asterisk if we had the whole 82 games we would have gotten back we were we were hot or whatever it is yeah i i do think that the 22 is interesting especially because woge and shams and all the nba insiders report today that this passed with the 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 league ownership, the board of governors passed this uh, ruling 29 to one. And the only team that said, it's no, no, it was Portland who is included in the return. I guess they wanted all 30 teams back. Um, okay. It was just like a, a statement vote, but it is interesting to me. I personally would have gone with 16 or fewer teams coming back. I thought that they should have just gone straight to the playoffs and try to limit uh, the number of teams involved just from a pure safety perspective of the fewer people who are down there the the less risk and also like you know do the sons well, I'll like tell you why they went with 22 and yeah. 16 one okay. word four letters z-i-o-n yep they needed to make sure that we were going to get zion on tv 
he is the marquee name right now. I don't blame them. I'm personally excited to watch them. And the fact that they're going to get eight more Zion, Zion games at a minimum is good for the NBA. Yeah, that's a that's a great point because it, it does seem like they found a way to get Zion involved, another major, major star. Because when you just look at the teams that are being included, it's Portland, who has Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum and made the Western Conference Finals last year. Like they could, you know, make a run. They have the star power, as you mentioned, Zion and New Orleans. But in order to include those guys, just in terms of like the standings, they had to include Sacramento. San Antonio has this big playoff streak. The Phoenix and Washington inclusions don't make a lot of sense to me. Like, um, if you're only going to play eight games and a team is five and a half games back, I just don't see how you could how they can realistically make it into the playoffs in in that situation. But well, they don't necessarily. Well, that's what's interesting now, yeah. Dave, because they don't necessarily have to make up five and a half games in these eight games. They only have to get within four games. At which point, if I'm understood, they would have to go into a um, what would be a one game or two game playoff. One game yes. if the eight seed wins, two games if the nine seed wins the first game. Okay, that I that I could get, but my so for example, if yeah. you're Washington, uh, gosh, I'm spacing right now. Who's the eight seed in the East right now? Uh, Orlando. Orlando. So if you're Orlando and you go four and four and Washington goes six and two, say they get a favorable schedule and they end up with a couple games against Phoenix and Sacramento or just whoever came back not playing great, you know, all of a sudden now you're three and a half games out and, you you know, you got to kill them off metaphorically. Like Orlando's got to win a game. My... My biggest hesitation to bring those teams back, which is that you're the only thing on TV, you're the only sport going on, this is the chance to really highlight the best of the best of the NBA, and I don't know, basketball junkies are going to love those that type of playoff playing environment, but the NBA is not like the NFL, where the NFL will be the number one thing on cable for a ter- terrible matchup Thursday night football game. I, in, in a in a if, if it gets to a playoff of Washington and Orlando, I don't I just don't know how many people are really going to want to watch that, and I think you're delaying and taking away time from uh, the games that people would want to see with LeBron and Giannis and and the true superstars of yeah. the NBA. That's certainly a, a, an excellent point, David. But I, I think you also have to consider that you can't go right into now maybe you still have you. Is your suggestion that you bring in sixteen teams and you still have this eight game regular season, which could help determine seeding, um, or are you saying just go right into the playoffs? Because I think you need a warm up. Yeah. So so this kind of brings us to to the thing I wanted to to talk to you about next, which is just like how long does it take to get back to good basketball, and just what type of basketball we're going to see. I thought that they could have just done a random of as like assignment of scrimmages. Uh, East versus West for the for just th- those sixteen teams. So like the Bucks could have just scrimmaged the Jazz or the Thunder a couple times, or just whatever that the player said. Hey, we you know if we, if we really just need four games to get ready because it's not like these guys go that hard or play a lot in the preseason anyway. 
that just just how much that they need to to get going. You wouldn't match up like the top seeds against each other, but and you wouldn't make them beat downs. But it'd be like you know, uh, the seven seed in the West. You have like the Thunder play the Celtics three or four times. Like I, I think the challenge also though is look at the Mavericks for example. Yeah. If I'm not mistaken, they're only like a game or a game and a half out of I think like the five seed, and they're you know they're the seven right now, mm-hmm. and they're only like I think they're less than three games out of a home. You know what would in a normal year be a home court advantage? So yeah. I, I just think it's an enormous uh, matchups game as well because I think everyone's trying to avoid certain teams. Yeah, and. And, you know, the the most interesting part about the NBA compared to the other major sports like football and baseball and hockey is that in the NBA, especially in, in the playoffs, upsets are few and far between. We do not see that many upsets in terms of you may see a, a first round upset here or there, like a six seed could be the three seed or whatever. But it is very rare to see a team in the NBA finals who wasn't one of the true contenders coming into the playoffs, barring some type of major injury, where that's just kind of something to me where it's it seems like we're going to get to, or at least in a normal season, we would get to Clippers, Lakers, Bucks, probably Raptors or Celtics. How do you think that this in this type of setting with this tune-up and the long layoff, do you think that we're going to get a lot more parity in terms of the NBA playoffs and just not have it be who everyone thought would, would win that the true contenders would just end up in the conference finals and, and the finals. I don't, I think it, I don't have a great answer to that. Yeah. Um, based on a couple things, um, exactly how long is training camp going to be right? If you're talking about a month or two months, mm-hmm then these guys are going to be able to play themselves back into shape. If it's a week or 10 days, then, you know, the guys that live in big cities and don't have, uh, you know, private courts and didn't have access to a hoop are going to have to figure out how to shoot themselves back into, you know, game shape in terms of that skill set. And my assumption is they're professionals. They're being paid. These guys figured out a way to stay in shape, (laughs) cardio and strength wise. But, but I think access during the pandemic is a big issue. Yeah. Um, you know, certainly, as you can vouch for, in New York City, Dave, it's a lot harder than, you know, certain suburbs. For sure. So you have to wonder where guys live and, and, and things of that nature. So um, that that's going to be, to me, the determining factors. I think ultimately there's just such a gap, um, for example, between like the L.A. teams and the Grizzlies. 100%. Um, that I'm not sure it's going to matter. If they had gone back to the old style NBA of you know the five game series in the first round, I think the odds would have increased for sure. But just yeah, it's keeping it the the seven game series. It's like okay, we're going to bring you all back to say that it's fair and equitable and everything to give everyone a real shot. But if you're going to keep it a seven game series, it's going to be so much harder for those teams on the fringes of the playoffs to really be able to make a true and fair run. Uh, to extend their season because they're they're going to bring back all these teams. They're going to play these eight games in like a week. They're or a week or two weeks. They're planning to play like basically like six games a day in whatever sites that they have set up. Whether it's a ballroom in one of the major hotels, the way they do in the Bahamas tournament or at the Disney 
world court or whatever, half of these teams are going to be gone within three weeks anyway. Like, that's just what's so interesting about it is that uh, there's been so much talk about we're bringing back 22 and there's so much discussion on how to do these, how many teams to bring back. Well, half of them are going to be gone anyway in a, within three weeks of, of when this all starts up, truly with, with the games. And the NBA just has to hope that they're not rushing it and that some guy comes back with an injury because you because because you're seeing some of the numbers and and the and the reports from overseas in Germany and, and some of the other soccer leagues that there are more of the soft tissue muscle injuries after their layoff that uh you got to be worried about you know are are is a superstar gonna pull his hammy coming back because he didn't have the ramp up time and that hurts the league even more because they want their superstars on TV with no competition. And what's and what the other really interesting thing is is that in this environment there's going to be no fans uh, allowed, obviously, and it's going to be like an AAU type game where there's going to be no home court advantage, and it's really going to be just mano a mano, best best man, best team wins. Do you think that this lack of home court really matters, or? And I know that they're talking about some crazy things to do to create a home court advantage, but but. But like, if, if you were to give a home court advantage, what would you give? And just like, do you think that it really matters in the end? It's a tough question. Um, I do think home court advantage matters. I don't uh-huh. think it matters as much as talent disparities and coaching disparities. Yeah. But I do think it matters. Um, actually, where, where, what I'm really interested to see and I know that they've actually done studies on home court advantage and things like that that I probably should have looked up. But I actually think we'll probably see some of the best refereeing that we've ever seen. For sure. I actually think that's the biggest thing that's influenced. Um, You know, the other thing about the NBA that I wonder how much home court affects is it feels like in every NBA game, and, and I'm exaggerating, it's not every NBA game, but it feels like a team goes down 17, 18, 20 points in the first half or the second quarter of NBA games, and it doesn't matter. They no. always come back to make always, it. Always, always. Um, it, it, seriously, it feels like seven possessions is like yeah. nothing, whereas you and I know in college basketball, it feels like, oh boy, okay, yeah. uh, this is either awesome or terrible. <laughs> so I wonder if that sort of thing is going to change. I wonder if a 20-point lead in the second quarter, uh, you know, which would have potentially been nothing for a home team, will now be, uh, you know, signaling the end of a game. That's an interesting point. You're you're kind of describing what the Warriors' magic was the last three years, especially with uh, Durant, which was that it didn't really look like at times they were trying in some games, they would fall down, and then all of a sudden it'd be bing, boom, boom, they go for their... They go yeah. from down 14 to up six in four minutes. I think that that has, I think the home court advantage part of that and the, and the home court factoring into that is, is a big part of it. But I also think it's just the number of three pointers teams take and make nowadays yeah, is so, point. so high that they're going to keep, you know, the three point line is going to be the same down in uh, Florida, down in this uh, bubble. And, It'll be interesting to see with this huge layoff. Does does that affect shooting numbers in any way, and just you know the guys' legs and and everything like that? But I think it'll be less the 
the layoff and more just how many back-to-backs they're going to have to play. For sure. That's a good point. In order to get these games in. For sure. That's a very good point. And and it's also, you know, they they have this huge advantage, which is that they have this setup in Disney World where it seems like they can do whatever they want in there so that, you know, they have to agree to terms, but it seems like they could organize it to the best of their ability to try to limit the number of back-to-backs teams play. But it, I think it would also be, at least in the playoffs, we should see teams in, in games every other night and no longer the two nights off and these long delays. I, I think they're going to try to fig- to get this going as fast as possible. So It's going to be terrific for fans. But, yeah. Uh, sorry to interrupt you. But, uh, you know, as a coach, and obviously I coach college basketball, it's different from the NBA. But if you look at the rotations that coaches are playing in the regular season versus the playoffs. 100%. I I have to wonder how many coaches are sitting there going, oh, crap, am I going to be able to shorten my rotation? I mean, how many guys go down to six, seven guys, you know, in in game seven? The Mike D'Antoni special. <laughs> and uh, seriously, though, uh, I'm not sure you're going to be able to do that because if you're playing, you know, especially if you look at some of these superstars, and LeBron's a robot, yeah. but he's what, 30, however many years old? Six. Yeah, he's 36 years old. Is that guy really, are you really going to be able to say, okay, I need him for 40 minutes a night? Yeah. This many nights in a row? Like you might be able to do in a normal space playoff, yeah. playoff series? That's a. That's a very good point. I it's I think it's gonna we're gonna see a lot of creativity with some of these coaches, which is they're gonna try to ramp it up, but they also just may use these eight games in the warm up to uh, try and figure out that rotations. There's also some reports that before those eight games, there's gonna be some type of scrimmages or warm up games to oh, the good. to the regular season game, which just seems unnecessary. But it's also like <laughs> okay if. if if that's what the the player needs, but I think just we're just both so excited. We're kind of nitpicking here at the edges of of the plan, but I think we're just both so excited to just have sports and basketball back. Uh, just it's just what are just some of the things that you've just missed about the NBA, and just like who are the guys you are just most excited to come back? Whether because you're just excited to watch them play, you're excited to see how out of shape they may be or just their quirks just like who are you excited to see back on the court um i'm definitely really excited to see a lot of these guys but um i obviously zion stands out for me yeah uh, just because we didn't get a full season of him um and the trajectory he was on was just absolutely ridiculous so uh obviously excited to see that um it'll be exciting to see john morant and hopefully his first playoffs. I like the young guys. Mm-hmm. I think it's a little disappointing that we're not going to get Trey Young. Um, I'm not. Well, you know, it, it, I, I enjoy watching them because yeah. Trey Young can drop 60 on any given night. Yeah. Um, and he might just pull up from half court on any given night. He, it, like, Trey Young is essentially what Jimmer was doing in college, but he's doing it at the pro level. It's unbelievable. Yes. Um, same level of defense, too. but you know like the Hawks for example I think they get hurt the Knicks get hurt well the Knicks 
signed 14 different power forwards over the age of 35, <laughs> so they weren't buying into the youth movement. But teams that have these young cores that need to continue gaining chemistry through game time. T-Wolf, you know, yeah, Bulls. John Collins thing, like, John Collins was out 25 games with the PED suspension. Yeah. And now they're getting cut off, and they're not getting whatever the last 25 games of the season are for them to grow and, and continue to build their chemistry. That's going to hurt them. That's a... That's a good point because we think of these bad teams in a lot of ways of they're tanking and they're doing this on purpose. They're trying to lose, but they but they all are trying to win. And in order to do that, they have to see these young cores and see if they mesh together. They have to figure out how Capella is going to work in the front court with yeah. uh, John Collins. They have to figure out, you know, is DeAndre Hunter... Um, and, and Kevin Hurd, like, who's the real deal there? And just losing any game time, I think, hurts a young team. Yeah, I I agree with you. As much as I didn't want to watch these teams come to Orlando and watch them play, uh, just because it's like, what's the point? They're it's bad basketball. They're not very good. But there, right. but there is something to be said about uh, they aren't coming back. They're going to miss that that game time, that practice time, that experience because. This part of the, of the season is huge in terms of okay, you know, if you're Cleveland, this is year two of Colin Sexton. Do there's a lot of good guards coming out in this draft? What do they? Is Colin Sexton? Uh, has he developed enough into to say, hey, Cleveland, like I'm, you know, stick it out, or should they take another guard? So, so you're you're right in that this is a it's not just a crucial time for the contenders that that we all love talking about, but even for the tanking teams, uh, they're trying to figure out their rosters too. I'm just so mainly just excited to see you mentioned Zion. Zion's one. Everyone loves harping about is he in shape? Is he overweight? <laughs> I think it'll just be really interesting and I would love to see him come back just ripped like could do like the Baywatch movie part two with The Rock oh just God. like dominating people. I don't think New Orleans is good enough to make a run in, in the playoffs yet, but I'm excited to see Jokic come back. Oh, that's uh, a good one. Because mainly he's just – he's one of my favorite players in the NBA, just the way that he passes and just his feel for the game. And also just like he doesn't – he beats you in the in the, in in the the modern NBA. He's a not a modern player in a lot of ways. He has a lot of perimeter skills for a, build, for a big guy, which makes him modern, but he's not dunking. He's not beating you with athleticism. He's beating you with his with his brain. And no, he looks like the guy who was playing pickup with your dad when you used to go. He and, looks like the. Like, he, and you're, yeah. you're like, that, how, that guy's, he's not good, but he's, he's amazing. Yeah. He's like, that guy's team wins every game, but like, he doesn't look like it. It's like your mailman who just, you know, threw on a, a jersey. So, so I'm there, excited there to. Was, yeah. I think it was Sports Illustrated had a very good profile of him uh, yes. within the past week or two that I recommend. Yeah. I, I, I recommend that too. Jokic is one of my favorite players. I'm interested in seeing the the two teams I'm most interested in seeing coming back are the Houston Rockets because they had figured something out going crazy, crazy small. It was yes. seemingly working, and I would watch it on Synergy, and I'd be watching it, and I'm like, how is this working? But it would but it basically simplified everything to pick and roll, drive, first of all, try to get a three, drive and kick three, or drive for a layup or or get fouled. And they just kind of simplified everything. We talked about this on a previous podcast, but that was really interesting to see. And we can see now if it's going to work in the playoffs. Teams have had three months to try to figure it out now. The other team is Utah. I don't think teams are talking enough about Utah because they 
you know, you don't want to call them the culprits for shutting down the <laughs> the league, but there was a lot of reports about Gobert not Utah was taking this very seriously and Gobert was not. He was feeling sick. He touched all the microphones. He was touching people, you know, pretending to cough in his hand and then touching people, uh, fist bumping, high-fiving in the locker room. There was a lot of reports that early on that Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert's relationship was very tenuous. And I think it'll be really interesting to see what the, even though a lot of NBA players have tested positive for the coronavirus, what it's like at that hotel and the games like around Gobert. Around you know not only what's going on with that team, but just what it's what's Gobert what is Gobert's status like with within his peers? Yeah, it's gonna be a really interesting question. I I, I think Donovan Mitchell has publicly handled it very professionally and appropriately, yeah. um, saying that they're past it and all that stuff. Rudy apologized, but um, there were a lot of reports that the Jazz were gonna have to move one of them. Yeah, which got me excited as an. <laughs> we can get Donovan Mitchell, but um, I wouldn't be shocked if 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 one of them's gone before next year. And um, you know, I, I one other team I'll mention specifically one player is Luka Doncic and the and the Mavs. Yep. I, I think that um, you know this. I wonder if we're going to see his ascension uh, in terms of big playoff moments. I sure hope so. I think he's one of the seven or eight best players in the NBA already as a second-year player. It's just truly unbelievable. And they are close. This is, you know, Porzingis, this is the year coming back from the knee injury. I think next year, uh, him and Doncic, that one-two punch, I think next year they could really be dangerous. And as you're saying, if he can start laying that foundation the way, you know, you don't want to say the way LeBron did in, in 2004, 2005, but if, but if he could start laying that foundation and not being afraid of the moment in the playoffs and getting some success under his belt, I think that could be absolutely huge for him. But you used a term earlier in this podcast. Uh, you said the word asterisk. Uh, and I think that this is something that everyone has to talk about. Does this season and this championship come with an asterisk? Because we had a three-month delay. We have this bubble environment. Not everyone's coming back. Uh, there's all these rules. If someone gets sick, are they going to they're, they're going to be pulled out? But what happens if someone is symptomatic with something that's not the coronavirus, but it's just the flu? Are they going to be allowed to play? I think there's a lot of questions with that. And then also with just the home court. And then it's also, I think, if a team's not ready to, to go or someone gets hurt too, I, I, I think that has a lot of factors involved as, as well. Does this year have an asterisk nest next to it? Yes, I think it does undoubtedly and fair, not fair. Um, I think it does. And, and, and the reason I say that is because I think there are other years that have asterisks yeah. next to it. Uh, I mean, the, the last time we saw a shortened season, or, or, well, not the last time. The last time we saw a shortened season, the Charlotte Hornets won like nine games. Um, <laughs> but, you know, the Knicks made the, the finals as an eighth seed in 1999. Yeah. Coming off, uh, which was a shortened year, I believe. Mm-hmm. Weird things happen. Yep. Um, <laughs> so I, I think we have to expect something weird to happen, which then goes with an asterisk. But having said that, like, isn't there sort of an asterisk on last year because uh, um, Clay Thompson was out and KD tore his Achilles in the middle of a game. 
Yeah, shows. yeah, that, that that's a good point. That 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 you could put an asterisk next to any season, next to any series, based on something that happens because of whether it's an yeah, injury. Like if wanna, but yeah, if you want to go all the way back, look at when Zaza Pachulia slid his foot under Kawhi Leonard when yeah. Kawhi was with the the Spurs. Like, should there be an asterisk on that year? You know, like if does this. If Draymond doesn't get suspended, do the Cavs have have the comeback? I I think 100%. I think you could but do I, that a lot, but but I, I think, think this is a more yeah. significant asterisk. Yes, though. I will say that. Yes, I agree. I think you can put those asterisks next to those seasons, but all those things are parts of what could happen in any given normal series. But anything that fundamentally structures the schedule and the format of the season, I think comes with a. I think has the potential to come with a more as you said, a bigger asterisk, because here's my theory that I'm, that I'm workshopping. Uh Oh, okay. Okay. I'm excited, but equally nervous to hear this. Okay. <laughs> yeah. You should. You, uh, so the league resumes July 31st. Kevin Durant had his Achilles surgery in June of 2019. That is more, that is about 13 to 14 months uh, from the point of surgery. That is usually more than enough time for a guy coming back from that injury to come back onto the court. The Nets are going to make the playoffs, even though that they're. I don't, I don't does, know if it's worth it for Durant to come back. But if Durant, but but if Durant is back, could he can take that team to the Eastern Conference Finals? Like he, he couldn't. There he beat the Bucks. <laughs> yeah, like like you know, I, I agree with you. Is it worth it to to come back in this weird environment? and just you know have more time off but maybe it's better to come back because if he doesn't play they're going to start the season in December that it will be since June it'll be a year and a half it'll be like 18 months since he's last played and so what I think sorry, that this to distract from this sorry. point but I think it right raises a bigger question what about like Yusuf Nurkic in Portland yeah that this is this is when we were talking about the asterisks this is what comes from uh, in a season where Kevin Durant was not going to play, Joseph, uh, Nurkic wasn't going to play, Clay Thompson wasn't going to play. What happens if guys who got hurt, who are who are going to be doomed out out for the season, if they're now if they can now come back, it completely changes everything, and it makes certain teams more potent than others. Where if Durant comes back, the Nets are a team. Rightfully so, that could actually challenge for the East. I don't care if they are the seven seed, but if he's but if he's not back, they're gonna you know see you in two two and a half weeks. But it, I think that could be a thing. Like 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 we get Clippers Nets finals. That's an asterisk for me. Yeah, I I, I agree with that. I, I mean, I think there's just so many different things, and we haven't even touched on the idea of. What if someone gets coronavirus? Or that is the conspiracy. What if what if everyone gets coronavirus? Yeah, but God forbid. But you know, what about something smaller than that? What if um, Chris Middleton is the second best player on the Bucks? What if Chris Middleton's wife or partner or girlfriend, you know, is pregnant? Yeah, is Chris Middleton expected to not go back to presumably Milwaukee and be there for the birth of his kid? Yeah. And if he does, is he then have to be quarantined for 14 days before he comes back? What if it's in the middle of the Eastern Conference Finals? You, you know, I, I just think that there's a lot of um, little details that, that just confuse this whole thing. 
100%. And, and I'm going to give you the floor here because one of my favorite memories of playing college basketball at Wesleyan <laughs> was we're sitting in, in the back locker room. This is, I think we're getting ready. I think it was we're getting ready to play Amherst or something, some like big game. And we're in the back locker room. We're, we're getting ready to do film. And, and our and the coach at the time, Coach Joe Riley, would do a thing where he would like have us all wait there for like five or 10 minutes that, that season before like he would like storm in and like fire us all up to like whatever the film was to really get, get going. I'm sure he was just busy in his office doing whatever, you know, goes on with his role that we don't see as players. But that would allow us time as players and assistant coaches to, you know, kind of mess around and enjoy ourselves. And you, as, as the king of conspiracy theories, showed us a detailed YouTube video of the Patrick Ewing frozen envelope, pointing out the exact curve and the fold in the envelope. Uh, that was one of my best moments. So I'm going to give you the floor here. You mentioned it. What happens if someone gets sick? I think there's a lot of room for crazy conspiracy theories here. So, so I'm going to give you the floor here. <laughs> Thank you. And uh, yeah, I, I believe in the Patrick Ewing frozen envelope, <laughs> bent envelope theory. And, you know, I would have even doubled down if the Knicks could have gotten Zion instead of RJ Barrett. <laughs> but um, it, too bad. Um, you know, I, I, I think conspiracy, if we're going to talk conspiracy, I think that comes into play, you know, like in, in uh, other ways, you know. Uh, if uh, someone's up three to nothing and they need Giannis to, you know, make it to the next round and all of a sudden the best player on the team up three to nothing gets coronavirus, like, okay, yeah. then, then I'll have some questions. <laughs> but but not, not even conspiracy. I, I think just legitimate concern. Yeah. Uh, you know, what, what, what if someone has it? What if someone, you know, has... Like I, I think that the rapid tests are just not fully accurate. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a nurse. I don't yeah. know. I'm not an epidemiologist. I don't know 100 percent the answer. But from my understanding, the rapid tests are just not always 100 percent accurate. So, what if you get a, a, a false negative? Guy goes into a game and a longer term test comes back. You know, two three days later, um, right? And oh, he's positive. Well, are you going to have to pull the entire team? What about the entire team he played against? What about all those refs? What about those camera people in the building? That's also uh, the big concern, too, because they are still TBD in a lot of the exact safety and testing protocols. Because what we've learned the hard way with this virus is a lot of times the super spreaders are asymptomatic people who don't show symptoms at all throughout the entire time that they do have the coronavirus, they don't show any symptoms. So they can spread it to anyone without even knowing it. And are they going to, they haven't really decided or announced if they're going to test everyone every single day, symptom or, or non symptomatic, or are they going to do what some of these college football teams and college athletic programs have decided, which is, hey, we're only going to test the symptomatic people. Right. There's a lot of places that are testing temperature, yeah. uh, things like that. The one good thing is that they're not first. Um, yeah. in America potentially, but all the major soccer leagues are, have are either already started in the case of Germany or are about to start in the case of um, Spain, England, and uh, Italy yeah. o- over the next two to two and a half weeks. And I think that it's those leagues are sort of taking a, a risk that the NBA is taking less of because we can now see 
you know, if, if four major European soccer leagues go through it um, and nobody tests positive, that doesn't mean the whole thing is done, but yeah, we can feel a little bit more comfortable. It's, Whereas if yeah. someone does test positive in Germany or England, now all of a sudden there's at least a precedent of what to do when it pops up. And, and it's also, it's way easier to follow rather than lead. So they can look at the protocols that the Bundesliga in Germany and La Liga in Spain and the Premier League and all those leagues do so that, hey, if they have an idea or something that they're doing that the NBA just hadn't thought of before, like, oh, wait, let's that looks really good. We, we should do that too. They can figure it out and implement it because they're just buying more time starting at the end of uh, July as those leagues will also have started or will yeah. be playing before them. And, and I think, you know, for for whatever we kill the NBA for, I do think the leadership is absolutely brilliant, starting from Adam Silver uh, and, and going down. I, I think the NBA is one of the most forward-thinking, um, really smart and adaptable leagues. So I, I think if anybody can pivot quickly, actually, I, I do think it's them. The, the, the most impressive thing about the NBA is for such a big organization, it's for such a big company and product that they do, they are willing to take risks. They are willing to try things that maybe some other leagues wouldn't be willing to try and say, hey, we were wrong about this. We're going to steal this idea. I think that's the most impressive thing about that about their leadership. Because as you said, throughout Adam Silver's whole tenure, uh, he's done a really good job. And I think it's so, Sorry, go. No, I was just going to say, not to be cynical, but they did cancel the rest of the G League season. Well... You know, so so I, I think it's, yeah. it's a little silly to to at least not acknowledge that. Very true. TV rights and money play a part. One hundred percent. Anyone who doesn't think that this is all being driven by the dollar amounts involved in these television contracts is naive, and you're fooling yourself. It's though for the mental health of the greater good. I mean, this the feeling of normalcy I, is something that I'm looking forward to very, very much. I that that is also a fair point too. But when when you weigh that against like their moral or public obligation factored into how much money they'd be losing out oh, on, sure. it it, def, it they, they definitely go hand in hand. But uh, you have to ask someone on the inside what is really driving them. But as you approach the end here, Coach, I, I know you got uh, a lot of things to do. Very, very busy guy. At this point in time, Thursday, June 4th, who are you? I'm not going to actually make a prediction, but who are you leaning towards as the team to come out of the West and the team to come out of the East? Um, I'm going <laughs> to... Uh, conspiracy, Max. Gonna <laughs> say I have. Uh, I still think it's Milwaukee out of the East, and uh, we're just going to say I think it's Los Angeles out of the West. Okay. Nope. No follow-up questions. On that. <laughs> no, just kidding. Um, I, I think I lean towards LeBron and the Lakers. Interesting. Yeah, it's. Yeah, p- part of me leans that way too, just because they're, they're the best teams, and with the unknown, it's just better to to bank on those talents. But if Durant is back. I laid the groundwork early, but if Durant is wow. back, they're going to be really tough to beat. If Durant is back, the key is Kyrie can't come back. That is the that is the big key because oh he, he'll ruin everything. But anyway, well, he's only hit one of like the five greatest shots in in NBA Finals history. Yes, and he also uh, you could make that same argument about Boston last year that he was the main cause of 
all of their issues and being the biggest underperforming team. And literally everyone in Boston wanted to drive him to the airport. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, it's give and take, you know, I'm probably too harsh on Kyrie, but, uh, it'll be very interesting coach. I'm pumped that, uh, you were able to come on. And as we, you know, before I let you go, I just want to, you know, give you a huge shout out and con- congratulate you again on the Pratt Cannoneers moving up, changing conferences. You're part of the Capital Athletic Conference, if if my memory serves me right. So just big congrats to you guys and everyone over at Pratt. Thank you. Thank you. We're excited about it. Uh, it's a great opportunity. And uh, I- I'm really just excited about the trajectory of our program and our department as a whole. So thank you. For sure. And, and you know, uh, we always give here. We always thank our guests. So what do you want to say to 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 all the Pratt basketball fans out there who may be wondering, hey, is, what, what are my Cannoneers doing in the offseason to stay connected and, and get into, to get ready for, for next season? Yeah, our, 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 I'm very lucky. I have a group of guys that have really connected and, and stayed connected. Um, you know, I try to get the guys together for for meetings on Zoom, just kind of catch up sessions uh, every week or two weeks. Um, I've been just FaceTiming all my guys this week, honestly, just to check in with them. I know it's a really um, tough time right now in America for for a lot of people, but uh, just want to check in on them and their welfare, let them know that I'm there for them. Um, and, and you know the best part of it is they're telling me about conversations that they've had with each other. Yeah, uh, they don't need appointments for that. These guys are close, and um, you know, hopefully, as you know, as things get back to normal with the coronavirus situation, um, I can be with them again. I miss those guys. That's awesome, Coach. And it's great to hear you all doing that. So, Coach, uh, really appreciate uh all the time we're you know i'm pumped that, that that the league is back and uh the ability that we're able to in the future talk about real games and not just plans for games but actual real basketball games oh my gosh what's that gonna be like <laughs> i'm so excited all right thank you for having me on david it's always great to catch up with you and uh excited to do it in person soon for sure thanks coach that'll do it for this episode of the double double if you like this podcast you can find us on itunes spotify or wherever your podcast and you can subscribe rate and review five stars would be much much appreciated you can also follow us on twitter at dbl underscore dbl podcast we will be back next week take care and make it a great day <laughs>